Hi everyone and welcome to the Mini Gaming Union podcast for Tuesday, March the 22nd. I'm your host Daryl and I'm here with Fozzie, aka Lauren. Hey guys. And Brian. Hola. Completing the North American contingent. <gasps> yes. I, I don't team. have any I don't have any jokes, unfortunately, Brian. I'm I I'll I'll leave that for you when it's when it's the other way around. Wow. <laughs> But there's oh so much material to work with. Come on, man. Just dig deep. Pull something out. You do it yourself. Like a baby. Thank just, you. Just, just your voice is is joke enough. <gasps> That's you know, so mean. I'm, I really hey. should just rage quit after that. <laughs> You're such a, he, pushed me, he pushed me to it. You little bastard. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I believe that the, we actually have someone to even the playing field today. We have Uh-oh. a special guest on Minigup for the first time in its history. He's a JRPG nut with Final Fantasy being his specialist subject. Although, based on a previous discussion, he also finds a game called Shadow Hearts is close to his heart. <laughs> <laughs> Come <Apparently>, on! <laughs> Ew. <laughs> he currently applies his trade as the PR executive at Namco Bandai Partners and his name is Peter Oliver. Good afternoon. Oh, 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 Pete. Hello, how are you? Yay. I'm doing alright, so, thanks. Good. How so so are Pete, you? I have to ask you on a on a scale of one to a million. Yep. How many free games are you going to send me? On a scale of one to a million. Uh, <laughs> I think if I send you free games it'd be pretty useless because they're all pal. Oh, <laughs> Unlucky there, Brian. Yeah, just a little bit. Sorry, dude. Oh well. So I, I guess I should give a little bit of background information about how Pete and I know each other and how he knows Lauren as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, Pete, in many ways, I like to think is the reason that Gaming Union exists. Shut because up. It's, <laughs> 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 many, many years ago when, when Gaming Union didn't exist and there was a website called Square Union, Pete was kind enough to send me a review copy of The Last Remnant. And I was I was taken aback. I, I went to visit him and say hi, and and it all went from there, really. You gave it a four out of ten. <laughs> no, not initially. <laughs> Oprah moment gone. Down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Daryl, bless your heart. In hindsight, though, Pete, do you agree with that score? Yeah, it's a piece of crap. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Yeah, then Pete uh, also managed to meet Lauren when uh, when she was over visiting me, and uh, we went to see a game called APB. Yeah, that, that was fun. Oh, which yeah, we also so gave fun. four out of ten. <laughs> but we got we got to go to Scotland, which was really really nice. But yeah, that's when I met. Pete. You did, it was yeah. Fun. It was, it was it fun. Very very fun. It was fun. It was so much fun. That was four out of ten as well. That's yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> you just love punching his games right in the baby. Yeah, that's you? right. Yeah. <laughs> I've given some of his games good scores. What are you talking yeah, about? A five and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Daryl. I don't hold grudges. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I just wish I could have played APB if only because like my computer couldn't handle it. So that's my excuse for not hmm. trying to give it a good grade. I would have been a little bit nicer, though, I think. I would give it a perfect 10, but my computer's so crappy. <laughs> I'm going to have to give it a four. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's going to go down in Pete's PR law now. <laughs> my, yeah, my sw- reasons reasons why a bad school was given. <laughs> <laughs> it broke my computer. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. So anyway, th- welcome. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, Pete. Thanks Hopefully, for having uh, me. You have a fun time. 
enjoyable. It's, See, always, uh, it's always great having new people on the show. It is great. It, ba- it balances us out a bit. Definitely. Well, it's now 2v2 on the uh, transatlantic scale. <laughs> yeah. Represent. <laughs> so, for those who don't know, Minigup is the community show for the Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union podcast series and the Gaming Union forums. And on today's show, we're going to have two topics from the forums, which are what's been your favorite console experience and controversy in gaming. But that's not all. We've also got two questions from the forums, which are whenever a new game console comes out, what will make you want to buy it? And do you think Square Enix will last another 10 years? <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Oh. It's going to be great for inter-publisher relations, this one, isn't it? Yes, it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> I expect to get a whole lot of no comments from Pete when we actually get to that question. <laughs> so just to remind everyone, uh, this podcast is part of the Final Fantasy Kingdom Hearts Union feed, and there's a new podcast out every Tuesday. And uh, this podcast is produced by Tweaks Music and GamingUnion.net, and it comes out on iTunes and GamingUnion.net. So without much further ado, let's just go straight into the first thread. We dive in. We're going to dive in. Head first into the shallow end, and we hurt ourselves, but we're (laughs) still going on. Yes, get brain damage. (laughs) Yes. Oh, really? I thought that would get pregnant. I I don't know. I guess I I, I missed that one. Yes. Um, so the first thread is, what's been your favorite console experience? And this was started by me. Yay! Yes, so I said there has Gold been star. a ton of consoles down, g- down the years, from the NES to the PS1 and even the Xbox. We all had different experiences with each of the ones we've owned, I'm sure. But what has been the console that you've cherished the most? Mm-hmm. Can I just say, in your question, you being such a, such a huge Sega fanboy, I'm amazed that you didn't mention that in your post. What happened there, Daryl? I, I wanted to be diplomatic, and oh. I mentioned a console from each of the current. And, and so choosing your own question for the podcast, you know, that's really diplomatic, isn't it? <laughs> it had a lot of responses. <laughs> what do you want from me? Aww. A massive narcissist, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to let Pete go first on this one, if oh. that's the case. Thanks. Um, I think I've probably got two different favorite console experiences, if that's allowed. Uh but one being single player and one being a multiplayer so that's fine um, go for it I think the thing that really got me into playing RPGs on consoles was predictably Final Fantasy 7 so I'll always have to <laughs> treasure that as Good a, man as a favourite console experience but I think the time I've most enjoyed gaming was uh, four player Mario Kart Double Dash on my GameCube purely because my oh, Xbox 360 yes. broke and we needed something else to entertain us. Never had so much fun with a game <laughs> with my mates ever. That game was awesome. <laughs> I find the, the GameCube was like the best local multiplayer console ever. Oh, it's amazing, yeah. I remember we were at uni, I made everyone on my floor trade in an Xbox 360 for a GameCube just because of the amount of games that they're worth to enjoy. Because it's like, it's all childish fun. None of it's really serious. No. But they're I, hard, I don't they're, know, I don't know. I mean, they're when, hardcore when I was... games. But see, but see when, when, when I was in uni, we had the GameCube, and this was before the 360 and the PS3 had come out. So we had the PS2 and the Xbox. But for us, it was the N64. We'd all pile in a room and play mm. Mario Tennis, Mario Kart 64, and all of those. So I don't know. But then the GameCube had, as Pete said, Double Dash. It had Mario Party 5, which had Pushy Penguins. I- 
possibly the best mini game in gaming history. But my and, and I do I do have to give you credit though. Double Dash was a lot of fun. I mean, Daniel, who we just had on GMFM, I mean, he and I would play Double Dash late, late, late into the night, and it was fantastic. So I yeah, I got to agree with Pete completely there. Mm. Is it ironic though that we're mentioning all the Mario games as the best multiplayer games? <laughs> I did like I, I did really 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 like Mario Party. However, going along with what Brian said, it seemed like a lot of people at my uni definitely had an N64 compared to a GameCube. Um, if only because of a little game called 007. Goldeneye. Goldeneye. Yes. Yeah. I mean that game like <clears throat> pretty much everybody odd. had it. If you had an N64, you had that game and you loved it. It's all about odd job. Ugh. <laughs> Nobody was allowed to be odd job. <laughs> but then, like, I, I don't know, maybe one or two years later, they came out with Perfect Dark that, in my opinion, yeah. took Goldeneye and just blew it off the map. Yeah, I much prefer Perfect Dark. Definitely. So, but, but I mean, I've kind of answered the question. I think my most favorable gaming console experience really was the N64 because, I, you know, I had the NES and the SNES up to that point. Mm. But the N64 just kind of took it to a new level because that's that was my first experience into 3D gaming because the Super Nintendo didn't really do it and the uh, Nintendo really didn't do it. So I, I would really have to say the N64 for me. Um. I would probably have to say uh, Sega Genesis, honestly. That was my first console that I ever had to myself that was mine. And um, I I remember in the mornings before I went to school, uh, my best friend Carissa would come over and she'd carpool with us. And we would just play games constantly on the Sega Genesis. We would play like Lion King, we would play Sonic the Hedgehog 2. And playing Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is probably the best, the best uh, thing for us. Like it was just we would uh, go back and forth playing uh, against each other, and it was just so much fun. But yeah, so that would be mine. I, I think I I'm gonna have to agree with you there as well. Mm-hmm. Did Did Sonic have a? I didn't know Sonic had a two-player mode. They had well, a versus. Well, it does kind of. It's like a versus. You just play through. Um, it's four stages. Yeah, you have four. So stages one person will play, play through, and then the other one plays. No, no, through. it's at the no. same time. It's split screen. Oh, yeah. That's and it wasn't just about like um, the winner wasn't just declared by who got through the stage fastest. It was like who got the most rings, who killed the most enemies, who got the most power ups. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. like you could just you couldn't just win by being the fastest. Yeah. Wow. My lack of Sega knowledge is, is really starting to show here. <laughs> it was just a really fun console. For me, it was it was a lot of fun, and I still have my Sega Genesis. It's right here. I'm staring at it. Lion King is in there currently. Um, but yeah, that was definitely I'm, like my favorite. I'm going to have to agree with that. Uh, Sega Genesis for me as well. Or Mega Drive for us over in the UK. Why did we Superior name. change the names? It's so ridiculous. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Other than the fact that they had to change their names. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it was it was the same way with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, wasn't oh. it? You guys have Teenage something Mutant else. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Apparently Ninja we're, we're was... We're hardcore like that. Yeah. No, we're not. We're a bunch of bunch of ponces, that's why. They... I, was, I was reading up about this the other day, and apparently um, Michelangelo was never... He never used his weapons in our cartoon because he used his nunchucks, and they're banned. They were banned. <laughs> So he just that. kind of had them there, and he used to just kick people and punch people. <laughs> That's so weak. Michelangelo was known for his nunchucking abilities. It's very true. And eating true. pizza. And eating pizza. But, I mean, honestly, 
I think the whole appeal behind Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for me was the fact that they were called Ninja Turtles. And if, they, if, mm-hmm. if, if it was just hero turtles, I'd be like, yeah, I don't care about that. <laughs> it just <laughs> makes it sound super cheesy. Oh, dear. Like Ninja had a bit of an edge to it. But it's a, a very threatening word, and they didn't feel it was appropriate <laughs> for children. That's exactly <laughs> why they did it. Yeah. Ninjas are <laughs> everywhere. Well, I mean, it's it's interesting, kind of going back to, to the question, it's interesting because we've all chosen very retro uh, game stations, with the exception of the, the GameCube. But uh, Aaron said on the forums, he said, I'm going to have to go ahead and pick my PS2. I don't remember ever getting tired of playing it. I could play a game for hours and hours, and it wouldn't feel repetitive in the slightest. Even some of the simpler games like ATV Crossroad Fury, I could simply drive around in freestyle for a lifetime. So, I mean... I think we are an older generation on the site. Yeah. It's kind of weird, really, because when I think about the PS2, like, in my opinion, like, it didn't really have many, like, stellar standout titles. Like, if you go through the Metacritic, like, top ten times of all time, you'll be pushed to find a PS2 game in there other than, like, GTA. I suppose. But their library was massive. Yeah, it was, like, the library was massive. That's what it had. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's something like absolutely everybody... Don't get me wrong. I, ha- I love my PS2 to death. I, I love everything about it. But I just didn't have... Maybe it was because I wasn't I wasn't young enough when it came out where I was still, like, having friends come over and playing, like, games together. But, like, my PlayStation 2, I mainly only had really single-player games. So I guess that's where I kind of, you know... Um, that was kind of my growing up console like you know i i'm just kind of playing it for me i'm not really playing it to play with my friends i'm just kind of it's mine i'm just it's, well, it's I mean, mine to, it's all mine it's mine it's all mine exactly. i mean to, to play the ps2 online you had to buy lots and lots of peripherals i mean exactly. i had the online stuff because i played final fantasy 11 which came hardcore. with all the stuff and then oh yeah really hardcore final fantasy 11 and then i moved on to monster hunter and played that online so those two games were really the only two main ones that I played. And yeah, I did Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy X and X-2 and I started 12 but never got through it. But mm-hmm. you know, it was really it was Final Fantasy XI and Monster Hunter and that was all I really ever played on my PS2. I never got into Ico or Shadow of the Colossus, which I'm really excited about. Okay. The, uh, no, never. Like, I tried Metal Gear. I, I know the story. Daniel used to play it in the dorms all the time. So I know the story and I know what's going on, but I tried playing it, could never get into the gameplay. Shocking. I know. I'm kind of a loser in that way. <laughs> well, going back like one generation before, uh, the Fenrir actually said, PlayStation 1, I loved, me, I loved me some Crash Bandicoot and Spyro the Dragon. Not to mention that uh, was when I started playing my beloved Final Fantasy 9, then followed by uh, 7. Unfortunately, 8 failed on me, but that's another story. Oh, bless you, Charles. I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one who's not an 8 fan. <laughs> well, he didn't say he didn't like it. He <laughs> says it I, failed. I take it from the opinion that, yeah, it failed. Like, maybe the game didn't work. The game didn't work. Yeah, just put it um, in and his it, PlayStation it, exploded. In in, in my heart of hearts, I'm going to choose to believe that he didn't like it. Now, I'm not saying that it was a terrible game, but in comparison to 7 and 9, 8 just wasn't on the same map for me. Do we really want to go down this road? No, we can't. I I am still... You have no idea how disappointed and angry I am that Laguna won our character battle. I I nearly (laughs) killed myself. Laguna? Laguna didn't win. It was Squall. 
It's Squall. Squall, I'm sorry, Squall, but he was up against Arn. It's the same person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you beat Cloud as well in your character battle? Did yeah, he beat he yeah. Cloud out. didn't even get... Where did Cloud... He got did out... He beat, no, he beat Cloud, didn't he? He got out in the quarterfinals. It was like by, what, five, ten votes or something? Crazy? Yeah, yeah. a bit of controversy. Yeah, you fixed oh. it. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> 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 I, I, I think our favourite comment from that was that, like, um, it was inaccurate. And that the game FAQs one would be better. Yeah. It's like, well, the fans are voting, so. It's just. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole different story, but I just kind of feel. Because like... the last eight isn't from Final Fantasy VIII and seven. <laughs> it's it's all fixed. I know. It's it's ridiculous. It's like if you already know who's gonna win the character battle, then why even have it? You know, like if you know that Final Fantasy seven characters are gonna win. Well, screw having the freaking character battle. Just say, oh, Cloud is the best character ever, which n- not everybody agrees with. But I, I really was amazed that characters from 10 and up made it as far as they did. Especially, I mean, the characters from 13, Fang, if I'm not mistaken, made it a long way, didn't she? I think yeah. Lightning did as well. Lightning did. And, I mean, it, it really kind of shows how uh, the gaming community has evolved. And we are members of an older generation. That makes it sound like old farts. We're not, <laughs> but, you know, we, we, we definitely have a, a bit more heritage well, even Final so. Fantasy is one of those really long franchises anyway. It's just yeah. a lot happened in a small amount of time and then nothing happened in a long amount of time. I feel See, like it was characters... interesting for me because the PlayStation 1 was... like, I, I was a very innocent gamer. I never did Castlevania or anything like that. I was Mario, Banjo-Kazooie, and I think Goldeneye was about as hardcore as I ever got. So the PS1 <laughs> was like... I, I, was too, I was too naive and young and immature for the PS1. I couldn't handle Twisted Metal and all of the other ones. Doom. Just, yeah, I mean, I was like, Doom, I'll never play Doom. Yeah, I will probably not Even now, it's too much Doom. for you. I know, it's just too gory. <laughs> I just... God of War 3 for some light-hearted fun. There was a lot of games for PlayStation 1, though, because I... Um, I have a ton of games for the PlayStation 1 that aren't necessarily gory, like Gex and Crash Bandicoot. I used to love those games, and... Yeah, like, I, I, kept, I kept pretty G as well. Like, I, I really didn't um, venture out too much. But I didn't really venture out too much in any case. I mean, like, Final Fantasy was pretty much as far gamer that I went, you know? like Final Fantasy VII was a risky game. It had swearing <laughs> in it. I'm in the same boat as Lauren, because that, that was my first experience into more, quote, hardcore gaming. Yeah, exactly. But um, I, I did play Final Fantasy VIII before I played Final Fantasy VII, so that's why I typically go for eight more. But I don't think that's it's the, the Final only Fantasy Syndrome. Yeah, I don't <laughs> the first think that's... game you play is always your favorite. Mm. I just love eight. I, I love my eight. It's just it's a love story. It's it's definitely a girl game. It's definitely a girl Final Fantasy. It's and that's just defended all the guys who like the game. <laughs> no, okay, okay. Let, let, let me say this for the record. I, I, I enjoy a good romantic story in a game. I just didn't like the romantic story in eight. Dot, 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 whatever. Mm. Um, anyway, so I think we should move on to our next topic. No, which... we have to keep flaming no, Brian. FF8. No. <laughs> I got to get my quota in for the day. We're about halfway Save that for Final Fantasy Down, Union. Save Down. it. <laughs> We're Don't now moving away away from Final Fantasy 
Okay. We're going to talk about controversy in gaming. And <gasps> although Final Fantasy VII was slightly contro- controversial, we're not talking about that. <laughs> Ever Dang it. again. Ah. Okay. So this thread was started by Juxter, and I'll let you take this, Brian. Okay. Well, uh, Juxter did start a post called Controversy in Gaming, and he says, In relation to the article regarding controversy isn't a bad thing for games, where EA stated that controversy is a good thing, it has always been interesting to see how controversy could make or break a game. Even all the stories that can surround controversy are interesting. What do you all reckon? Is controversy a good thing for gaming? And or do you remember any controversies in gaming? I think all of the ones I remember are EA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, Sony, Sony had a fantastic one. on. Um, it was on the front page news of the Daily Mail. I think it was one of the God of... Well, it was one of the God of War games. It was either two or three. Um, and they basically had something that looked like a sacrificial goat on a buffet table at their launch party and uh, it made its way onto the front page of the Daily Mail uh, who were obviously oh, wow. outraged that someone would be sacrificing outraged. a goat it wasn't a real goat, it was just a stunt and the Daily Mail completely uh, vindicated that whole that Sony going to that effort like, by whacking it on the front page yeah. they must have been <laughs> yeah. sitting at home like rubbing their hands together going this is the best PR stunt ever um, so <laughs> <laughs> I I was thinking maybe I can have some sacrificial lambs at the the introduction of the next Tales game. (laughs) (laughs) I know there was a ton. There was a ton, a ton with um, Grand Theft Auto. I remember like hot coffee. They were freaking about this secret scene that you could get, and I'm just like, okay, so you can't even get that scene if you play. Yeah, the hot coffee scene. It was like you had to like hack the game and like unlock it that way. But oh my gosh, no, that's controversial. It's in the code. (gasps) Oh no. There's like a 0.0001% chance that someone may find it. Oh gosh. Yeah. Did they ever make the game adults only in the end? Did they ever do what? Because it was the controversy was about they wanted to make it adults only instead of mature. I am not entirely sure if they did, but... I think that that's what Jack Thompson was rooting for. I don't know if it ever happened, though. Oh, Jack Thompson. <laughs> but, you know, even still, it's just like, parents, just pay attention to what your kids are playing, or Wikipedia it. <clears throat> but oh, look at the age rating on the box. I know. Yeah. If your so kid that's a good is, indication. <laughs> yeah. If your kid is not allowed to buy it on his own chances are it's probably not good for him. Well, in North America, don't they have it so that anyone can buy any game at any age? It's more no. like whether they think you should be. At, least not, no, the, at least not where the, I live. They'll actually, they'll actually card you if they think that you're under 17. They'll ask to see your ID. It's much like cigarettes. Like They'll always you know, demand to see a card of some sort. But is it only for 17-year-olds? It's 17 um, and under, yeah. Because like over here, if you're not 12, you can't buy a 12 certificate game, for example. Oh. Mm. Yeah, if it's teen rating, they don't care. If it's mature or above, uh, then yeah, they'll ask to see ID. If yeah. again, if you look like you're under 17. But typically, they're pretty good about making it making most games that should be mature mature. I mean, like God of War series, I believe is mature, right? Like all of that. Uh, I'd, I'd like to think so. <laughs> so like, I mean, they're pretty good about that. But um, so you rip people's heads off. <laughs> but, but I you know, I'm I'm gonna have to say though that the controversy, to me, it extends past the game, um, mm. and the fact that EA is bringing this up and they're saying controversy is a good thing. Well, yeah, but this is the company who took Dante's Inferno 
and bastardized it. I mean, just completely messed it up. And they're also the ones who hired... They had uh, killing babies in that game, didn't they? Oh, okay. Yeah, they, they, they did, but, but, but they also hired false Christian protesters to protest outside their building to build hype for the game. Oh, they I'm did like, it at E3 as well. Seriously? I'm like, <laughs> good grief. That is a bit it's, it's just a bit weird, though, because it's like, yeah, sure, it's, it's making a lot of people aware of the game, and the people they're offending were never really the people that were going to buy it anyway. Yeah. yeah. But <clears> still, it's, it, it's going a bit too far. Like, I mean, the whole Medal of Honor and the Taliban thing, part of me thinks they never intended to have the Taliban in there in the first place. Like, the plan was always to just remove them. Mm. Yeah. But they just kept them in so they could get the hype train going and get a lot of people, more, more people talking about the game so they're even aware of it. But does it make you does it make you want to play the game? Because for me personally, if I hear about it, like a controversial scene in the game, I'll just look it up on YouTube. I won't actually buy the game in order to see it. I'll well, it's just look it's it up more that it makes people aware of the game. Like they, you know, if people didn't know that a new Medal of Honor mm-hmm. game was coming out, then they sure as well damn well do now. Yeah. But like, what does aware like does awareness really? Bring in more, like I mean, I guess awareness does bring in more sales. But are there a lot of people like me who would just bypass actually buying the game and then just sit and done, Maybe. it's gone forever after the hype has gone down a bit? I mean, Bulletstorm's doing okay, and that's the recent controversy, and that and that was two pronged controversy because first of all, you had EA with all the Fox News and it incites rape and all that stuff. Yeah. And then you had Cliffy B like shouting his mouth out at every sing- every five seconds mm-hmm. to try and like get more attention on the game. And they did their marketing campaign where they slagged off Call of Duty. Yeah, but but I mean they also did their their Dead Space commercial oh, campaign. Yeah, it's not for, like Dead you know, Space moms. Your you, your mom will hate this dot com or your mom hates. It. I mean <laughs> I'm just like seriously. I mean you you you're actually preventing your core some of your core audience from actually getting this game because if their parents see this. I don't know if my yeah. parents back in the day would have seen that they'd be like, there's not a chance in hell you're getting this game. That is pretty true. Like, they really have to kind of figure out their limits because, like, chances are the parent if the parents didn't know about it then, they know about it now. But what was interesting is then after that they did the your mom sucks at deadspace.com. And so I wonder if that was, if they had, had premeditated that or if that was them doing damage Probably. control on, yeah. well, you know, the first one didn't work well and we're alienating people. So let's actually bring the moms in and get them to play it and, you know, show them playing it so that kids can play this game too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the most controversial thing you've done at Namco, Pete? Um, we haven't done anything particularly controversial at Namco in the time that I've been there, so um, it's only been since last August. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I was about to ask, is, is, is this a no-comment moment for you? No, no, we just generally... <laughs> that could in itself be controversial. Genuinely <laughs> haven't done anything massively controversial. Uh, no. I mean, there was talk of uh, someone getting up at the BAFTAs and doing a Jarvis Cocker if Call of Duty won Best Story at the... Uh, Video game matters, <laughs> considering it was that, was that you, put up with it. Uh, no, um, I'd like to say I boycotted it, but I wasn't invited. Uh, so oh. <laughs> <laughs> there was someone from the office there, but um, Call of Duty didn't win Best Story, so we didn't have to do a Namco Bandai Jarvis Cocker on stage. Uh, so it was good. How is it even nominated for Best Story? I know. It's beggar's belief, honestly, but it's, it was, and we weren't. So stupid. And we're bitter. It's so stupid. <laughs> bitter. 
<laughs> like, how taste long the bitterness. Call of Duty story anyway? Like, five hours? I, I don't know. I mean... In... Yeah, probably about that. Yeah, like, that's you pathetic. Should, when you say story next to Call of Duty, you should always have quote-unquote story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, w- would we extend this, this concept of controversy to, you know, say the newly released Homefront, where they were boasting about their story being, you know, it, or the game being really story-driven, and then they mm. deliver something that is just... Well, it's not. Well, yeah, my, no. I think what well, it's like you know I've been talking with Adam a bit about this, and like he's he's saying you know they build it as a multiplayer game, and you know so people shouldn't be uh, annoyed about the the the, the, the single player length. But it's like well, without all the advertising, without the contro- controversy, like the whole YouTube ad and all that stuff, people already wouldn't have even played the game. Mm-hmm. To, to know it was a multiplayer. Yeah, no, game. I, I com- I actually completely disagree with it. I mean, um, like, sure, we pretty much know it's a first-person shooter, like war game. Obviously, there's more than likely going to be a multiplayer aspect of it. However, the thing that I knew about it that I would always talk to my friends about was how the story was if America went down, like if Korea like um invaded us and pretty much took over like that was the only thing i focused on about that game was i thought that was a pretty neat concept but it was also kind of scary so that would be the only thing that we would discuss yeah nothing about the the game if the game didn't have that why would anyone buy it yeah exactly and the fact that it was only like four or five hours it's just like wow okay this is like you expect it out know. of a Halo or a, out of a modern warfare. You know, yes, there's a story, well, but people it was, don't it made care those about games it. took long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it did. I mean, Killzone even. Killzone has a great online uh, multiplayer. It's got a pretty good, you know, first player story as well. But I don't. Uh, it's just it's one of those things. I, I'm, when I, when I see when I see bad advertising campaigns or ones that are just trying to brew up spectacle. To me, that that in itself is a major form of controversy that I, I just nine times out of ten I kind of shut down to it and I don't even I don't care and I become disillusioned to the game altogether. <laughs> so I have yeah. no interest now in playing Homefront at all. No, me neither. Well, Pete, would you like to take uh, one of the comments from the forums? So this is a question from Sean off the forums. Um, while it is free advertising, it helps that certain games. Um, when there's controversy focused on them, uh, whether it's Bulletstorm or Modern Warfare 2, it hurts the industry and people's perspective of what we as gamers enjoy and reinforces stereotypes. 110% agree. Yeah, same. I've forgotten about Modern Warfare 2, the no Russian mission. Yep. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, it got banned in Russia and all this stuff, and then there were some, like, school shootings over there, and everyone was saying it was the game's fault. And No, I completely agree, because, like, I feel like there's so many games where they feel like they're responsible for creating like murderers and rapists and all this stuff and it just makes us look like bad like this is what all gamers want yeah well but 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 it but it also comes down to the developers themselves i'm i'm all about having video games represent themselves more as an art form and and doing so in such a way that we can explore the human experience i'm sure. all for that but when it's done improperly yes there are there are murders there are shootings in airports yes but 
you know, I played the mission in Modern Warfare 2. It was gratuitous and really wasn't needed, and they were just trying to top what they had done in the first game with the uh, with the nuclear bomb. So I was like, yeah. this isn't exploring anything. It's just, it's absolutely unnecessary. And it's it does reinforce these stereotypes that we're nerds sitting in front of our TV just wanting to kill people because we can't do it in real life. Yeah, and that's ex- that's nothing that I think of, like... <laughs> When I play those kind of games, I'm not thinking, oh, I'm I'm loving this, I'm loving killing everybody, and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> That's not anything I think of at all. I mean, most of the time when you're playing a first-person shooter, you shoot at people because they're shooting at you. Yeah, exactly. exactly. However, I do take extra gratification whenever I would kill you, Daryl, in Killzone 3. Because <laughs> it, happened, it happened so rarely that when I did it, I had to rejoice just a little bit. But it, Starts dancing around the room and doing fist pumps. See, we, still, we still don't think about that as, oh, we're just killing the other person. It, we think of it more so as, well, we just beat that person. Like, you yeah, know? it's more like if you're playing tag in the playground. Yeah, and somebody gets tagged. But in this case, they get tagged and knocked down and passed out. <laughs> but um, yeah so I've got another comment here from uh, Gilbert GTR and he says let's be honest whether it's regarding gaming or not everyone seems to love a good bit of controversy and the ensuing gossip from a developer publisher point of view it gets people talking actively about their game and as Aaron pointed out sales will most likely increase because of it I think that's something I that's agree kind of with. what we're saying as well yeah yeah. You won't, maybe you it's won't something you need to employ at Namco Pardon? yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> Um, although we don't, yeah, we haven't really had any games that are controversial on the on the level that that, that mission in Modern Warfare Two. I'm sure was, you could come up with something really creepy <laughs> to do with Pac-Man that's controversial. Make mm. Pac-Man completely naked. What the, there was that thing about human Pac-Man. Oh, I've seen that. That's people like dress up like Pac-Man, don't they? They put Pac-Man and ghost T-shirts on and run around London like crazy people. More yeah. power to them. Yeah, we love that in Namco. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you're on your own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um yes, it's a right round and wrong way. I mean, I think Capcom um for Resident Evil, they like do like a a zombie show or whatever. They like get mm. people to come out and pretend to be zombies and then like the best one wins a copy of the game or something. Yeah, it's, that's it's I that's mean that that's nice. Fine. It's not like oh we're asking people to shoot them. Yeah. Well, I also remember Capcom's Monster Hunter Try campaign in America. Those were hilarious, where a monster hunter, real-life guy, would walk, you know, would drive around in his pickup truck with, you know, some model of one of the monsters from Monster Hunter itself in the back of his truck, and he'd talk to random people, and he's like, yeah, I killed this monster! And it was just, it was hysterical. It was great. It was a great campaign. But people don't do that. No. Make them do that, Daryl. <laughs> no. I can hear the enthusiasm. If you I, make well, them, they will come. You, you don't have to do controversy. Though. I mean, like Kevin Butler is a prime example of that. Like oh, he doesn't yeah. really do anything controversial. Like, he says the odd jibe at other companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But mostly, it's talking about his own product and just in in a fun way. Oh, and he's so funny. Oh, I I can't stop laughing whenever I see any of his commercials. I especially love the one with the car. Wait. <laughs> when he just laughs and then just drives away. <laughs> or Grand Turismo um, 5. Yeah, that one. It's so funny. Oh, man. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> that's, that's that's perfectly okay. Okay. We're not going to judge anyone here. But yeah, those <laughs> are like... Well, not good. out loud anyway. <laughs> those are just good, clean fun. It's not anything that's like going to hurt anybody else. It's not anything that's going to make anybody uncomfortable. 
it's just something that makes people laugh and makes people happy. So yeah, so I guess in summary, there's always going to be some kind of controversy, but EA need to to rein it in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it's getting a bit silly. Yeah, there's no such thing, thing as Namco's bad press. press. Take a leaf out of Namco's book. Exactly. <laughs> polite, polite ho- wholesome company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very family friendly. Oh yeah, we love families. Well, yeah. You, you, you know that you know you guys, Pete. You guys could look at it that way, or you could also look at it that EA has set the bar for you guys to now reach. I, I mean, come on, Splatterhouse would have been perfect for some controversy. Yes. I just I don't <laughs> think it's a hundred percent necessary to raise awareness of a game. Sure, it helps to raise awareness of your game if there's a bit of controversy surrounding it. But mm. I don't like to think that you would use controversy to mask some kind of deficiency in a game uh, exactly. you know, to get people talking about mm. it. So, you know, the yeah. controversy of, um, I, I don't know, the sex scenes in the original Witcher game, uh, not Witcher game, sorry, the original uh, Dragon Age Origins game, um, you know, they were awful, absolutely awful. And, yeah. uh, you know, it got people talking about them, even though th- the sex scenes were like... I can't even describe how bad they were. Everyone's everyone that's played it knows how bad they seem to are and how cringeworthy they are. <laughs> but it, it created an awful lot of controversy because it's like, well, do we really need sex scenes in games? Well, fact is, if they're all going to be like that, then no. If so, you could even call it a sex scene. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just like it based, there's a point in that in that they sequence. They kiss. The camera pans away. No, well, no, in in Dragon Age, you see. We don't see anything explicit, but there is there is a, there is a moment in the scenes. This awful elevator music is playing in the background, where your player character is sort of lying down, and I don't know Morrigan or whoever's on top, and he's just looking over her shoulder as if he's watching a television behind her. It's just like it's just the most lifeless, pointless scene I've ever seen. But it's in a like game. they're the kind of scenes that are just in like typical sitcoms. Like you probably see something yeah. like that in Neighbours. Yeah. It's a shame because it's such a great game. It's just like it just it just made me laugh, and that and the fact that everyone in I the mean, whole of Ferelden wears the same underwear. Even this <laughs> this Sims seems to have better sex scenes than that. Wow, they've got sex they scenes just, in the Sims now. Well, they have. You can, uh, you can it's have called woohoo moments. Woohoo moments, where basically they just uh, they're laying in bed cuddling, and then all of a sudden they get really happy and they jump under the covers, and then you see like little hills little mounts just going around the bed it's like they're playing tag oh. underneath the covers and it's really funny and yeah and like there's that's probably more in depth than the dragon age and there's fireworks as well because that's always <laughs> what happens there's fireworks just bursting out of everywhere that's what and they for don't teach super you in young listeners they were playing tag under the covers at the <laughs> yes they were <laughs> they were playing tag and foursquare at the same time yeah um, but yeah, <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> anyway, I think we've, uh, we've we've talked that topic out, so I think we should now move on to our question segment. Yeah. Questions. So, Pete, would you like to take the first question? Yep, I got a question from Sabinos. Uh, whenever a new gaming console comes out, what would make you want to buy it? Mm-hmm. Who wants to take this one first? Come on, who wants to be brave? I'll I'll be brave. Okay. Um. I'm going to be honest, When whenever a new console comes out, the first thing I look at is what games are going to be on it. Like, especially with the PS3, I was really excited for Final Fantasy, um, Final Fantasy 13, so I really wanted that game. Um, and then for PlayStation 2, actually, originally why we got the PlayStation 2 was for StarCraft Ghost, but that never came out. But yeah, I think pretty much um, <laughs> nearly every system, except for the ones before PlayStation 2, I've 
uh, I've wanted because of a specific game, which is kind of interesting. But uh, I think it's yeah. the same for me as well. Like um, Genesis or well, Mega Drive was probably the only one that I just kind of got. Yeah. Whereas every other one, um, you know, I wanted for a specific game. Like uh, PS One, I'd rented a PS One for ages because I never could afford to buy one outright. But then, like, there was a game that I just really wanted, so I just got one eventually. Um, PS2 I got because of Metal Gear Solid 2. GameCube I got because of Metal Gear Solid The Twin Snakes. <laughs> Metal Gear Solid. PS3 I got because of Metal Gear Solid 4. <laughs> <laughs> You've gotten everyone because of, Final, uh, because of Metal Gear, and I got everyone because of Final Fantasy. <laughs> See, I, you know, I, I have to agree with both of you, but I, I have to make it a little more specific. It's not just the games, it's the console-specific games. It's the exclusive titles for that actual system. Well, all of those games that I mentioned were exclusives. Well. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, if if I had to get, you know, if, if I was choosing between the 360 and the PS3 and it was because of, say, the orange box, which I love... You know, mm. I, it wouldn't determine which one I would have gotten. I, I could have done either and would have been just fine with them. But it's really the exclusives. That's why I didn't get a PS3 for so long because everything I wanted to play was on the 360. And then they started coming out with the exclusive material that I was really interested in. And so it was time to go ahead and get the, th- the PS3. So, yeah, that's why I like felt so uncomfortable on the when I had my Xbox 360. I felt really uncomfortable because I was just like thinking about. Well, there's so many games that I want on the PS3. I don't feel like buying anything for the Xbox 360. I mean, it's nothing against Xbox 360, but, like, there are so many games I really wanted for the PS3, including, like, the Uncharted series, and then I was getting scared about Versus, even though it hasn't come out yet. Um, And And never will. And probably never (laughs) will. Um, But, like... I mean, I could have gotten Final Fantasy XIII just as well on the Xbox 360, but uh, the Uncharted series... No one should do that. The Uncharted (laughs) series was just so, 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 so tempting for me. And then after I played it, I was just, like, sold. I, I can't do... I can't do Xbox 360 anymore. I need a PS3. And also the Blu-ray player. To live, to function. (laughs) The Blu-ray player as well was very good. But, um... Anyways, Pete, what do you... What do you think? What makes you buy a console? Um, well, I got completely duped and sucked in by the Wii which is the only <laughs> console oh dear. I've ever bought at launch day and this is a guy in the industry yeah absolutely Uh-oh. so um, so what I'd like to say I, I look for innovation in the new gaming consoles make me want to buy it I'd be a big fat liar if I said that having had the experience <laughs> with the Wii which I sold to my mother about a year ago um, that's right. I sold it to her. Ah, <laughs> uh, see that—that's hilarious. You didn't give it to her for free. No, no. You know, no. She, she carried you around for nine months in her body, but you're still going to sell her the Wii. That's exactly and right. Because yeah. you don't want it because it's crap. <laughs> it, yeah, basically, now, annoyingly now. I have to ask: how, how much did you sell it to her for? Uh, One hundred English pounds. Oh my gosh. So th- that, that'd be like me going up to my mom saying, all right, mom, you carried me for nine months. I know you want a Wii. I'll sell it to you for 150 bucks. I did buy her a Wii Fit for Christmas. Does that get me any any kind of... Does that claw anything like, back? Wii Fits are pretty expensive. Yeah, you know, and it took me ages to find one as well. You know, I didn't just put real money into that. I invested emotional time into that as well. I invested my free time. <laughs> my own mother but see, but see knowing my mom if I would have done that to her she would have looked at me and said well do you think I need this and then it would have just gone downhill from there no, no, she asked for it Aww. so it's all good 
But um, yeah. I think I'm generally like everybody else. I look for the software. So I think now, if I if I looked at a Wii now, I'd be a lot more uh, inclined to buy one because I actually think there's some there's some pretty decent games out on it now. But I mean. Definitely. I'm not going to buy another one because there's not enough of them. So, but yeah, it's the software. So you know, I bought a PS1 for FF7. I bought a PS2. I mean, I bought my PS2 in anticipation of Final Fantasy X, and then played about a dozen better games than Final Fantasy X before it came out. Um, mm -hmm. Same with the Xbox. I bought my Xbox because I wanted to play Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Um, I sold my PS3 because it was. Well, I never used it because I have an Xbox and most of the games I want to play come out on that, with the exception of Valkyria Chronicles, which I got through and enjoyed, but that's pretty much the only PS3 exclusive that I wanted to play. So, yeah, it's all so about the software. Th th this is really kind of a landmark moment for us that we have somebody on the show who enjoys the 360 more than the PS3. It the entire UK games industry likes the PS3 more than the Xbox 360. Wow. Pete. <laughs> I, I stick it to the man. I, mean, I don't. I actually don't have a preference on. I just don't see the need for me to own both of them, basically. So um, <laughs> it's, it just seems a little bit I excessive. I, that that was the weird thing about this generation, because like the the, the achievements like made people be a lot more loyal. Like because the 360 came out a year before. Uh, a lot of people got the 360 because it was like the first HD console, and then because they'd started building up achievement points, they were just like, "Well, I, I don't, I don't want to move over anymore because I'll, I'll lose it all." I think most, and, you, you know, that's something I would do, and so I can understand that that argument. Yeah, I wouldn't say that I mean, the, I lost the UK games industry. I wouldn't say the UK games industry was was focused particularly on either format either. Uh, I was tongue in cheek, Pete. Oh, were you? Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I know how you you guys like to talk a console war, so uh, I wasn't sure. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I, I do need to say publicly, while I do have fun slagging off the the 360, it was the console I owned long before the PS3. And up until I actually got the PS3, I never thought I would actually ever get one. And I only got one because it was on mega sale and I was able to get an extra controller with it. And I didn't and even then I still didn't touch it for the longest time. So mm. as much as I do hate on the the 360, I do have a pretty good heritage in it. So I mean, I yeah, I've said same. before on the show that the, like this console generation was the first one where I really was a bit hesitant to buy in. Yeah. Like, mm. I, the, nothing about the Xbox mm. 360 really, like, appealed to me. Like, I didn't really... I, I'm not a big Halo fan, and that's, like, the big game. And, uh, like, my friend had one, so, you know, I played Gears of War, and it's, I, no one's really plays Gears of War multiplayer that much, so it was, like, a six-hour single-player campaign, and then, then you're done. Mm -hmm. and, and without that, there wasn't really any reason to buy it. And I was the same with the PS3 as well. Like, when, you know, when they were at E3, they were talking about, like, Resistance and all these exclusives. I was just like, well... They didn't really look that good. Like, why? Why should I buy this? It, it looked great when they started showing, like when when they were talking all the specs and whatnot. I was like, I don't really care about any of this. But when they showed Little Big Planet, that was my first kind of eye-opening <laughs> moment to the to the PS3. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't get a PS3 at launch, whereas I got I got PS2 at launch. Like pre-ordered it for ages, spent a ton of money. Mm. Um, I, I waited for a bit to get my PS3, and until I came down in price a bit, got a special offer on it. And then, I don't know, I just kind of slowly started getting games again. I was a bit of a frugal gamer because I'd just come out of university and I'd bought like two games in the last four years. <laughs> yeah, that's how I am right now. 
I think that's the other thing though, isn't it? When you're um, considering buying a new console, it's not just what software is coming out and it, what, you know, has it got lenticular 3D or whatever, it's how much is it? And a lot of people are put off by that initial price point when a console's launched because it's too expensive. You get, can I justify spending £230 yeah. on a 3DS? And Personally, for me, no, not at the moment, but... Like, well, yeah. that's already current. It's, it's dropped to 190 before it's even released. Well, even, even <laughs> that, you know, it's such a big investment yeah. for a handheld. I, 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 I personally wouldn't pay that much money unless there was something really, really, really cracking that came out of launch, which, you know, there's some great games coming out of launch, but there's nothing that really makes me go, I must have a 3DS, I must have a 3DS. And not, not even Ridge Racer 3D. Well, of course, Ridge Racer <laughs> 3D, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I mean? It's like... You want you want there to be lots of good games before you invest that time in buying. Console. Yeah. You know, I can play Ridge Racer 3D at work, and it's and it's fantastic. But um, whether I can actually afford to go out and buy my own one, that's something else. See, and I and from for me, it's always I want to wait for two things. Number one, I want to wait till they come out with the second version of the system, so that they iron out all the kinks. <laughs> yeah. Because I got a PS2 close to launch, and the DVD laser dropped out of me yeah, within six era. months. And uh, and I could play PS1, but no PS2. So my PS2 was just worthless. And also, I want to wait for the price to go down a little bit. Because, yeah, I mean, it's great to say that the 3DS is only $250. But that comes with no games, no software. So you're spending yeah. at least another probably 50 to to $100 just on software alone. And especially with Nintendo, like what you were just saying, Brian, you want to wait for the second generation because Nintendo are famous for it. Like the Game Boy Advance when it came out was crap. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you couldn't see the screen at all. And then they bring out the Game Boy Advance SP, which is amazing. And then like the, the original DS was pretty crappy. And then they brought the DS Lite out. And yeah. then like everyone just goes and trades in the original console and gets the new one, which is why they make all their money. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's kind of annoying, but <laughs> also it did just make me think. I I didn't want to get PSP when it first came out either, and yeah. then um, my friend came around and I was watching like you know I was thinking, oh, these graphics are amazing because obviously the, the only console we'd had up to there was the Game Boy Advance and the Game Boy, and the graphics are not the best. No, it's Super yeah. Nintendo quality. And you know I was watching Spider Man on the PSP, and it's like this looks amazing. So then uh, I went out and got one with Metal Gear Acid. See, I, I was the same Metal way with the PS3 <laughs> or the PSP with Monster Hunter. I looked at it. It was Monster Hunter Freedom Unite, and I was like, it looks the exact same as what I played on the PS2. And that that is, and I can carry it around everywhere I go. I'm sold. Mm. Let's get one. And now my PSP collects dust. <laughs> you shameful human being. You should, <laughs> your, your PSP is the most underrated uh, console ever, I think. I think it's, I think it's brilliant. So many good I've, games, I've really especially for an too. RPG fan. Oh, definitely. True, true. Crisis I mean, right now there's God e- God's Eater Burst, for example. <laughs> there is God's <laughs> Eater Burst, for example. But there's also, you know, Tactics Ogre, Let's Cling Together, The Third Birthday is coming out, you've got Dirge of... Uh, sorry, you've Dissidia. got... Crisis Core, Dissidia, um, Star Ocean. There's so many good RPGs out on PSP. If you're an RPG fan and you don't own a PSP, you're not a proper RPG fan. <laughs> so, so Pete did you enjoy Valkyria Chronicles 2 on the PSP do you know I haven't played Valkyria Chronicles 2 on the, on the PSP I loved it I, like it a lo- I liked it a lot more the first one actually really I mean I, like, I, I got about three fourths of the way through the first one and the difficulty curve just got so high I was like I can't keep doing this it, it would take me days just to get through each battle I was really? like I can't really keep doing this <laughs> I would put so maybe off. I should try it on the PSP <laughs> it might be a little better <laughs> Maybe I won't be quite such a pussy. 
maybe. <laughs> hey, well, well, Lauren, do you want to take the next question while we're talking about RPGs? <laughs> sure, definitely. All right, our next question is from Raging Sky King. He asks, Do you think Square Enix can last another 10 years? Since the olden age of video games, 100 plus companies have fallen. There may be 10 still going strong. There oh, I think that's a slight exaggeration at the end. <laughs> there are only yeah, 10 like... games companies left. Ah. Hundreds oh, have fallen. No. <laughs> no, it's a massacre. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if he's talking, I mean, if he's talking before the the video game industry crash back in the uh, late the 70s, early 80s, yeah. then then yeah, he's probably right. But I mean, the 10 still going strong. I think it's a, there's a few more than that. Well, yeah. publisher wise publisher wise there's probably about 20 max that are big yeah mm-hmm. but like developers there's, there's hundreds of them. everywhere <laughs> mm. especially now with like all of them releasing indie games on uh, PSN and like Xbox Live and all that stuff there's a ton of them from the perspective of publishers it, it is quite worrying the fact that you know they all keep merging so there are less for that reason but then you have mm. publishers like Deep Silver who are just like well we don't care about like publishing AAA games as long as our games make a profit then then that's all we care about yeah i get the same vibe from the guys over twisted pixel they make fantastic games they do everything themselves and and from what i can tell they're selling really well Uh, pete is obviously part of a company that has merged as well (laughs) like square enix (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) about that I'm not. I'm not an expert on the company's history, unfortunately. But um, I know we were Nam- Namco was the gaming, the major gaming arm, and Bandai was obviously the toy, toy part of the company. And they made Power Rangers. Yeah, exactly. So you know, <laughs> this is th- these are two companies that merged. But um, Namco Bandai bought up Atari's distribution network when they yeah they put Atari yeah because everyone Square Enix owned Taito as well yeah. and say the Sega Sammy yeah. Mm. But to, to uh, I don't know to answer the question, yes, absolutely. Square Enix can last for another ten years, and then another ten years, and maybe not. Years. I was going to say maybe not eleven years though. No, <laughs> <laughs> I just don't see them going anywhere. Um, I think, I think as uh, fans of their titles get older, and maybe their the, the, the type of stuff they're bringing out, especially the Japanese stuff, mm. um, uh, becomes. You know, it doesn't it doesn't move on in terms of who it's targeted at, but their audience gets older. You know, new new audiences will come in after that. I mean, just look at Dragon Quest Nine. It's what five point three million uh, sales worldwide now for Dragon Quest Nine, making it the biggest yep. selling Dragon Quest in the series. I wouldn't say that game was marketed at Dragon Quest fans. You know, they used Although, Jedward. <laughs> true, true. And I don't think Americans know who Jedward are. No, true, true. But but in the, in the UK, for example, they used Jedward, and it was it was very popular. And they they used uh, they they targeted it a young, much younger audience. So it was you know uh, nine to eleven year olds, I guess, in some cases. But did it sell one well in Japan though? Like, was it the be- biggest selling one in Japan? I don't think it really matters. Um, it's the, it's the biggest selling <laughs> one in the series. It sold five point three million copies. Um, you know, if you look at their lineup this year. Things like Deus Ex, um, you know, the PSP games they're bringing out will all do very well in Japan. Dungeon Siege. Dungeon Siege, yeah. You know, why why would they why would they go anywhere? I think it's a, I don't know. I just think it's a rather, it's a bit of a bizarre question to be honest. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> I, I think it, I think it's kind of born because um, a lot of a lot of Square Enix fans don't um, 
view the company as a Western entity, like you know, because obviously they bought IDOS, another merger. <laughs> um, and you know that most of the games you just mentioned are from the IDOS branch. They're not really Square Enix at heart. Mm-hmm. And like maybe the question would be more from the perspective of like uh, tra- Square Enix's traditions. Like you know, will they carry on releasing Japanese focused titles? Yeah. Oh, definitely not. I I dis- I don't think they will. I oh, feel I like think they're. They, I think they totally will. I mean. <laughs> I think the fact of the matter is they don't need the Western market to fund their Japanese games. The, well, the, the thing, Japanese will fund it from here until the end of time. But the thing but is like, that they are... It's just seeming like they're going for more Westernized games. You know, That's where the like, money is. But that's that's ruining... like For me personally, that's ruining what those game what was fun about those games what was originally nice about those games was that it was it it's not even that it had like a japanese feel it's just that it like just how they made the games and the gameplay and the stories and everything about them was good it was fun and like for them to just be like oh uh, we're just going to make it more westernized now so that we can, can make more sales. It just ruins everything that I liked about the games. Like, I, I feel like Square Enix will still be around, but I'm really worried that it's Not just going to become... Not the Square Enix that we knew. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm really worried. Well, even that, like, even ever since it's become Square Enix, it hasn't been the same company. Like, it hasn't... The he- games have not felt the same. When it was Squaresoft, they felt like all of them, all of them were like in a different world. They were like. But at that time, they didn't care about the West as much. I know. They made you know more than enough money from Japan, and if they sold games in the West, then it was kind of like a bonus. I know, and that's what I that's what I liked. I I really liked it like that. I hate that they've become so. I, I think focused. I think it's more that um, like nowadays uh, developers, especially, they're making games that they think will sell as opposed to games that they want to make. I don't know if you agree with that, Pete. Like, um, like oh. the Sega, for example, <laughs> the guy um, they're making a new like third-person shooter, and they've like hired some Western consultants to to make sure that it, their design is appealing to Western gamers because they aren't confident in their own abilities anymore. Mm. I don't think it's they're not confident in their own abilities, but I do think that um, the amount of the amount of uh, the percentage of worldwide global gaming revenue that Japan are responsible for now the Japanese gaming industry is so much smaller than it was say um, 12, 13 years ago that they mm-hmm. do have to, it's like Brian was saying earlier, they, they, it's, it's where the money is you know, the USA is now the biggest market for gaming You know, it's the big, it generates yeah. the most revenue and so you, it, you, if you really really want to perform well profits wise, you've got to make games that an American audience um, can can get involved with because that's where the money is basically. So I don't think it's that they're losing confidence in their ability. I think it's more that they're that they're, they're really trying to strike that middle ground. That try and find that middle ground between keeping all this sort of uh, Japanophile fans happy that like the traditional Japanese style of gaming and um, 
then appeal to a, a broader audience and what we get then is like this kind of discussion where it's, people become very polarised they're either like no I really like it I'm, I'm, I mean I really like Final Fantasy 13 I like what they've done with the story I like how um, they hold my hand for 20 hours and then spit me out onto Pulse and then you've got the other end of the scale where people are like I hate this I absolutely hate this this is horrible they've ruined Final Fantasy Square Enix is going to go out of business because I'm not going to buy their games anymore it's like people will still buy their games you whack Final Fantasy on the end of something people are still going to buy it so um, yeah that's how I feel as well I feel like they'll people will always buy Square Enix games that's not that's never going to change will I like them um Probably, maybe. I mean, like. Probably, maybe. Like, uh, it's it's way too early to tell. This was their yeah. real yeah, first exactly. endeavor to try and bridge the gap. Um, I know. Give them some time to try and figure it out. You know, I'm not even convinced that there is an optimum middle of the road. They may have to choose at some point which which way they're going to go. Are you going to go western? Are you going to stay with mm-hmm. the creative that you were? You know, I think it's interesting because I, two two sides of the spectrum for me. Like you know, you look at what Hideo Kojima does with Metal Gear Solid. He doesn't make his games to cater for anyone. He just makes the game he wants to make. If it sells, great. If it doesn't, oh well. That's, yeah. that's and, and then for whatever reason, his games have just been golden turds. I exactly. mean, people I buy them like up left and right. I feel like that's what that's what is. The thing that's that's what you need to do. Yeah, like he doesn't make his games to make, um, like to make investors happy. Mm-hmm. Like if he did, he would have made it on the. He would have taken away from being PS3 exclusive. Probably would have sold more, made more money. Yeah. But he like put his foot down. And was like, no, I want it to be a PS3 exclusive, so I can actually make the game I want to make. Exactly. Yeah. But then you've got companies like Sega who have really bastardized Sonic because you know they thought, well, <laughs> the audience is growing up. You know, we need to make Sonic cater for a younger audience. So I mean, like. People under the age of like, I think they said people under the age of like 12 really love the Sonic games, mm-hmm. but it's the older gamers that don't and they hate it. And they're like, well, we don't really care about the older ones anymore. We'd rather bring new people in. And if you don't like it, then sucks to be you. I think that's the same <laughs> with with uh, with things like Final Fantasy as well, because you know, in in, in 10 years time, do you, do you think you'll still have enough? Do you, st- do you still think you'll be playing? Final Fantasy. I mean, for me, I'll be nearly forty in ten years' time. So it's like uh, yeah. I'm probably going to have a family. Of course, or... you'll be playing. So, so <laughs> I, I probably, I probably won't be. You know, I love Final Fantasy mm. games, but I can't see myself playing in ten years' time. And that's what I'm saying about audiences getting older and a new audiences coming in. It's, it's just a cycle. I think. So, I think. If I if I have kids, I... I'd probably suggest <clears throat> that they play it. Yeah, Final like Fantasy One. Start at the beginning. Start at the beginning. If I have yeah. Kids, be- <laughs> like that's where the cycle kind of comes in. Because if you still have, if you still have those older systems, which I, I don't think my Sega Genesis, knock on wood, is pretty much indestructible. I mean, it's lasted me. Uh, we're going on about like 15, 16 years now, and like, um, if I still have that for my kids, then you know what? <laughs> to heck with buying the new games that I don't even like. I'm gonna have my kids play like the old games that are actually that I enjoyed when have I was a good, kid. Good proper education. Good proper <laughs> education. None of this. Oh, we're gonna play Mario, but if you get if you get stuck on a level, you can skip it. It's fine. No, you're playing through Mario, and you're playing through it the right way. And if you die and lose, 
Too bad. You go all the way to the beginning and you start over again because that's what I had to do. Yeah. I want to be well, a great like, mom. Like when my kid comes <laughs> to me and says, Dad, I want to go play the virtual reality arcade. I'm going to sit him down in front of an old virtual boy and say, go nuts. <laughs> <laughs> if you end up with seizures, don't come crying. <laughs> no, but but I mean, it's it's interesting because we, we are the first generation to grow old with what it was that we grew up with. Nobody else yeah. has, has done this. And so yeah. really, it, there's really no way for us to know whether or not we'll continue playing it because we've had nobody come before us. And so we're kind of paving the way in a lot of ways. Which is yeah. interesting, but you know, will Square Enix find that line that that can that you know where they kind of bridge the two different cultures? I don't know. You know, they may, they may not. Honestly, my my official opinion is that I'm not entirely sure they'll ever be able to find that line. I think it'll always be a real tussle. It, it'll be like they're trying to be a jack of all trades, but they're not going to master any of them. So I'm just no. not sure it's ever going to work. But will they still be around? I really have no doubt that they will be. I mean, you got you yeah. got publishers as well, like Atlas and like Nice, and they're just like, well, we're just gonna, we don't care about making as much money as possible as long as we make enough. Yeah, yeah. We'll, car- we'll carry on doing what we want to do. Oh, and I love Atlas games. I love the Persona series so much. I mean, like Nice especially, like you know, their PS3 games aren't the best graphically. They kind of kept the PS2 model. They don't care because they know that a certain amount of people are going to buy their games because they like the way they're done and they don't have any aspirations to like mm-hmm. go to the Xbox 360 because it, it, would, it could make them more money being multi-platform or like investing more in technology because then they have to spend more on development budgets. Yeah. They're just, as long as they can carry on doing what they're doing, they're perfectly happy and their fans are happy as well. Well, you know, even though this would be a huge tangent to go down and I won't take us down, I do want to say that, you know, being in the music industry and having been in the music industry it's very clear that the games industry is going in the exact same direction. And within 20 years, I would not be surprised if, you know, the indie game scene is is just supreme. Yes, there will always be AAA titles, but, I mean, with the influx of these independent developers who are making these incredibly creative games um, and are doing it just because they really enjoy doing it, they don't really have a bottom line, you know, it's it's those kinds of those kinds of endeavors that I think are really going to become much, much, much more prominent. So, yeah, those are people that Square Enix really needs to be aware of. Uh, you know, EA well, and the others need to be aware of it as well. Well, on that on that note, actually, and this is a slight teaser to to into your did. I was speaking to the guys who are making From Dust, which is like a, a downloadable title by Ubisoft, and I was like, why didn't you make a full AAA console game? And he said, well, if I'd have done that, then. Ubisoft would have uh, spent a lot more of the development budget on marketing so we would have had less money to do what we wanted to do Um, there would have been a lot more pressure from the company for it to succeed Yeah. and I didn't want any of that I wanted all the money to be spent on development none of it on advertising and I wanted to be able to do what I did without uh, like producers and management coming to me and saying no you need to have this in it so that it sells Yeah. he Mm -hmm. just wanted to make the game he wanted to make which is why he was like I, I didn't want it to be AAA. I just wanted it to be uh, like a, an indie downloadable title so yeah. that I can make the game I want to make. This is how yeah. it used to be, though, right, as well. You know, like 20 years ago, uh, maybe longer than 20 years ago. Well, I'm just thinking of things like the Amstrad, you know, and the Spectrum, and like any pretty much anyone could make their own game and put it out there. Um, yeah. in, in Japan in particular, you know, people would make their own game and then like sell it under the counter or whatever. and <laughs> you know, the indie seems uh, it was more it's like underground. Mortal Kombat but. was just like a massively indie game. Yeah. 
it's like you know they made it uh like just as, a, as an off guy it was like five guys they did their own voiceovers like the one of the programmers was also the composer of the soundtrack and <laughs> Maybe we'll come full circle. Maybe we'll come full circle. Certainly looking that way with all the iPad and iPhone developers out there making stuff. Nintendo are hating. (laughs) (laughs) As as technology grows, you know, it it will be the bedroom producers and indie developers that that Square will need to look out for. But you know, go you know, bringing us full circle back to the question, I really don't think Square will ever go away. Or if they do, I think they'll just keep acquiring maybe, people. Maybe if they make another film, oh, <laughs> <laughs> or another. I, you know, I, I, I went I went to the Spirits Within on launch day with three other guys or with two other guys. Only we were there? we were the only three people in the theater. Wow. Same, yeah, same, when, when it, I, same. When it. I saw it at the cinema, I was the only person. Me and my friend were the only people there in the entire cinema. We had the wow. worst double whammy. The worst cinema doubleheader in my entire in my entire youth. It was um, the Spirits Within, um, which was followed by uh, Jurassic Park Three. Um, oh God! Two of the most <laughs> god awful films I've ever seen. Um, oh. Back to back. <laughs> <laughs> that was like anyway, four think, hours of hell. We've, uh, yeah. we've, we've rounded out our conversation about the future of Scronex. We think yes. it's going to be pretty pretty rosy, <laughs> but not but. Not perhaps in the way you want it to be. Exactly. No. It's going to change. When Final Fantasy Thirsty 13 comes out, and then Final Fantasy... Maybe Final Fantasy 15 will come out in the next 10 years. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> On the PS12. That's probably when it's going to come P- out. People be approaching mark. his 40th birthday and going, oh, just don't have the time I had anymore. <laughs> four, I had four Final Fantasy games in four years when I was younger, and now I've got to wait 10 years just for one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yay. <laughs> anyway, just to remind everyone, if you didn't catch the beginning of the show, you can find Minigarb in the Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union feed on GamingUnion.net or on iTunes. If you want to join up on GamingUnion.net, you can jump in with the discussions. You know, if you've got any questions you want us to answer, just whack in them in the thread and we'll, we'll try and get to them. Or, uh, you know, if you've got any feedback about the, the episode, then feel free. Our next podcast on this feed will be Final Fantasy Union, which I believe is going to be a special episode. Just a little bit. I can't really say anything else. I got goosey bumps already. Yes. <laughs> but if you want to find out more, just go on iTunes and type in Final Fantasy or Kingdom Hearts. We are the number one podcast and always will be, even if Square Enix go under. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pete, how did you how did you enjoy the show? Yeah, it was great fun. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Maybe we'll have you, you back again sometime. <laughs> Thanks. We like maybe having we like some, having new yeah. people. We we tend to maybe chase them off. Up, yes, maybe <laughs> yeah. if you whip up some controversy about Namco, we'll have you on to talk about it. Yeah, that that's when you'll you'll have me going. No comment. No no comment. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> and you'll ask yourself wondering why the hell you invited me back. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. Does everyone want to say their farewells? Bye-bye. Not really, but I guess we have to. Yeah, it's been another long show, Brian. It has. I'm going to be editing for days. Days. But that's good. I'd, I'd rather be editing for days on a good show. Yeah, this was really true. This was really, really fun. We had, like, we had a lot of nice, good discussions. And yeah, I think we've yes. kind of filled our Xbox 360 love quota for the next couple months. So we can, yeah, I mean, we can we go back to hating it for a while now. Who only owns a 360. Yeah. <laughs> People can't ask for much more than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, anyway, I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a tweaksmusic.com and gamingunion.net production. Mm-hmm.